Well, uh, well, first off, thank you for uh, for doing this. It's uh, hey, thank you. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I I'm gonna kind of keep it light and not 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 such like a an interview. Well, I mean, it will be, but you know what I mean. Like more, we can kind of yeah. go wherever the hell this takes us because um, it's more That's just kind of like because yeah, there cool. is there, that's great there is a good amount of stuff that i don't know about you and honestly i guess for the benefit of the people that are going to be watching this it's you know important to note that like we we ended up being hooked up essentially because i'm a massive metallica fan and um right. and and so that's you know how you came on came onto my radar and i know that oh. uh not not long ago oh. yeah not long ago you did an interview with h on his podcast and um yeah i have to admit i only listened to a little bit of that and so which it's, one though because like I, he interviewed me for the motor cast because i'd worked for motorhead for about nine years and then yeah. uh we got in contact with each other and then he was like man i had such a good chat with you let's let's do some for my my other podcast the talking bollocks and i'm like yeah that sounds yeah, that like fun it. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and H is awesome. Like I, I do, I do a, you know, a podcast with him as well. And it's just, it's a blast, yeah. but also, also that's a different thing for me because I'm actually a big acid rain fan. So it's like getting to do there you go. Uh, a podcast with somebody that I admire. Um, but in this particular case, like I was, I started to think about because the, when you know, from the stuff that I've heard you talk about and the things that I've seen that you've done online yeah. um, for, for different bands, the one that seems like the most like I have a long memory with this is that captains of crunch image. Yeah. Um, and, and if I remember right, because I was, you know, I got first introduced to, to Metallica around 88 or 89, but I was like, you know, 11 year old kid and the video for one, I was like, this is a little bit scary. I don't know if I'm ready for this yet, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but by the time 91 came around and I was a 13 year old kid and I was, I got, I was all over them. But the one thing that I remember is it, I think it was in 1993. Now correct me if this is like way too early for this, but no. I have a memory of around 93. I, I had become such a big fan that anytime any book was released on Metallica, I would buy it and I would read it. And there was one that was oh, called yeah. Metallica unbound. And unbound I put, by KJ. And I'm pretty sure that that captains of crunch image is in that book. Is that too early? 93. Uh, actually, let me see. I got it right. Well, I just so happen to have it right here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> not like I'm a, not a big ego or anything, but I actually, I'm like, I'm a, I'm very similar. I'm about, probably about 10 years older than you. Okay. And 13 was my sweet spot. Mine was when falling into a band and it was ACDC. I went and saw Back in Black. Oh, shit. Sure. 13 years old. Yeah. That bell came down. And uh, uh, Brian Johnson smacked it with a sledgehammer and Angus jumped off the high, uh, you know, the, the Marshall stack. And that's it. The, the hook was in the mouth and I'm down the street. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think this came out. Yeah, it was probably about 92, 93. Okay. So this so one, yeah, right? That that's it. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the, oh, the yeah. second that was the second Metallica book I read. There was another one that was like a paperback smaller one. I don't remember who wrote that one, but um it wasn't it wasn't it didn't have a bunch of photographs in it. But at that point I was so you know into them, but it's just funny that that's an image that 
I always remembered. And then now thir- 30 years down the line, I'm all like, Oh, I'm, I'm talking to the dude that not only did this, <laughs> but we'll get into it. Um, other, yeah, other yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Really- Cause I mean, I think as, as I mean, I'm we're, we're both fans of Metallica. So mm-hmm. straight up. And, and my introduction to the band was about the time you saw essentially that, or shortly thereafter that when I did that design, and I can tell you the story about how, I mean, I literally fell ass over tea kettle backwards into get landing like a dream gig with Metallica when I was really just kind of like playing tongue in cheek, just like, whatever, I'm goofing on. I had a job, I was working, and they wanted me to design a billboard to advertise that show that's how that came up, but well, I can explain let, it further let's, whenever let's do, you want to get in. Yeah, let's use that as kind of a teaser. Like, hey, you guys out there, we'll get to that story. Um, but oh, the yeah, thing, yeah. I'm I'm more interested in because I know that you also kicked around with a lot of the Bay Area bands in the '80s. Am I am I correct in that? Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, I I I grew up with a lot of those guys. Like, I went to high school for one year with uh, uh, Alex Skolnick. Oh, sweet. Who was in the band called Legacy. Yeah. And on the manager's kitchen table, I would design flyers for Legacy. And then they had me paint a backdrop for them. And there's a whole big story behind that. But I mean, like, uh, Alex was the one told me to, because I wanted to play guitar too, because I thought I saw everybody doing this stuff. And I was like, yeah. man, you guys are all, you know, no one had played on a on a on a on a stage yet except for Exodus and we'd go see Exodus and stuff like that. Uh but that you know anyway that introduction to those guys and I worked for this band called Laws Rocket. Oh, it was yeah. a local yeah. band. And the Ruffians and Exodus and, and and Legacy, which became Testament. I mm-hmm. knew all the Death Angel guys. I went to go see violent shows. So Rob Flynn and I were kind of friends. Mm-hmm. And Rob invited me to the original house party when he broke violence up and did the 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 launch of Machine Head. I got invited. I was living across the street. And he was like, dude, you got to come over and see my new band. I mean, Bay Area was just this little epicenter of of really just a bunch of ragtag kids that were all friends. So, I but mean, yeah, that, that that the 80s was that was, uh, yeah, it was a cool time, well, for, but none of yeah. us thought it was going to be cool. We well, were just like, up, oh, man, we miss Zeppelin, you know, fuck. Yeah. Suck. It's because, but it's become over the years for fans like me, the, it's like our Motown or something like that. Like the Bay area or all of these groups, you know, cause I mean, like, you know, obviously there were other ones from other regions, but that seemed to be, you know, the, the birthplace, but the, I guess br- bringing of- us back to where we were, is uh is so was was legacy the first time that you were asked to do art for a band or or was there anything prior to that um legacy was shortly after i i had originally so i'll back it up sure as a as a kid kind of i had seen acdc mm-hmm. and when i was you know still in uh i guess it would be called it was junior high it was just after junior high, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting into going into a high school where all of a sudden, you know, I'm like this very small ant in a big sea storm. 
typical kid who was like, I liked what I liked, uh, but I wanted to, you know, I wanted to fit in, but I didn't really give too much a care about it. But I really liked these bands that nobody seemed to really, at least in, in the school yard, were not really caring about, mm-hmm. uh, at least when I was at in junior high. So they were kind of all into like disco and rap and stuff like that. There were a couple people that were like into Aerosmith and stuff like that. But I always liked to draw. So I was drawing little, you know, caricatures or whatever, whatever I was drawing. And then uh, I started going up to this place called Telegraph and buying records. So I get these records and I start looking at the albums and I said, "Ooh, I want to draw some of these logos because they're kind of cool. And they're some of my favorite bands. Um, And that kind of at first, my mom was like she was full on just like do whatever you want to do, create, you know, creatively just you know, we know you kind of suck at school. So, you know, get into where, you know, you start feeling like you can express yourself. So I started drawing all over my bedroom walls and I would draw the logos of all these bands. Mm. And like, you know, of course, a, a buddy of mine was all into Iron Maiden and he turned me on to Killers when that came out. I went down to Telegraph, bought the record. And of course, so I start drawing eddies on everything and I'm drawing it all over my walls. And then it started going on my books, you know, on my book covers and stuff. Uh, and then we used to get these. Uh, we go down to the Army surplus store and get cheap just shirts, you know, sh- shirts, jackets. And we were kind of broke. So anyway, we would do that. But you could draw all over them because they were so cheap. You're like, mm. well, what the hell? So I used to draw like ACDC, the Swan Song, Iron Maiden, a uh, couple other Scorpions or whatnot. Got it, you know, as I started evolving, listening to different kinds of groups, more metal, and the imagery was getting darker and kind of cooler looking, yeah. I would draw all over my jacket. And that was about the summer before I started high school. And the first day of high school, I was like expecting to be total outcast. And I walk onto campus with this jacket and I see all the cool kids, all the older kids sitting on the steps. And I'm walking by and all of a sudden I get, hey, kid, come over here. And I'm like, uh oh, I'm, you know, I'm already going to get beat up on the first day. <laughs> I go over there. And they're all, who did that Aerosmith thing on your jacket? I said, I did. And he goes, I love Aerosmith. So, you know, what could you draw one on my jacket? Sure. How much it'll cost? And I was like, well, uh, oh. I don't know. Uh, what do you got? And he was, you know, well, I got two tickets to see Aerosmith. And I'm like, all right, shit, yeah, I'll do that. So, you know, I, it became like, I wouldn't call it a business, but it became like my my calling card, kind of like that jacket. I would get, you know, someone would tell somebody, hey, that guy that did my uh, Black Sabbath, you know, demon on the back of my jacket. That's that guy. Ask him about your Van Halen logo or whatever it was. And it it kind of started in the high school where people were like and, and I found my acceptance. Yeah. You know, I found my my little niche. I found like, well, cool. You know, I, I'm I'm not going to have anything on my jacket that says like Seals and Crofts or uh, Barry Manilow or, or the Go-Go's or something like that. 
So I'm not going to be drawing that crap. I'm going to draw my crap (laughs) and, and then people dug it. So it, it kind of, kind of grew from there as far as the idea of like, wow, I could do art, some kind of art. And it was my kind of gateway into that. And then, sorry, this is going to be elongated, but it, it teases it all. Is essentially, I, you know, I was a kid, I was a fan and I'm go get stoned at the park across the street from the high school. And the older kids would hang out after school. And some of the other kids from around the, the, the other schools, uh, the older kids would come by over there and they'd see my jacket and some of them were in bands. And this one band, this one guy was in this band, um, uh, Laws Rocket. Mm. And I had kind of heard about him, but, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, you don't really know the club scene. I mean, you, yeah. you're skateboarding around town, you look up at Marquis, but you're looking up at Marquis where there's mostly 21 and over. Yep. Some were 18 and over. But for the most part, I was too young. So I just, you know, if I saw yesterday and today on a marquee i go oh okay i heard of you laws rocket it you know right over my head so i was like whatever um two we're talking about a period of time from like 82 to like 84 where i mean the genesis of all the different bands that came into my view i Mm -hmm. granted i was about a year late but that was my introduction because I was so young. All these guys were, were like taking me into shows, you know, sneaking me into the Keystone Berkeley or Ruthie's in. Ruthie's was actually cool because you could go in there. Doesn't matter what age you were. In fact, you could probably buy a drink. You yeah. know, most of the time they would sell you drinks. And there were a bunch of us young kids that were in there. Ruthie's was like kind of like the, the poor man's. uh you know, metal show. So you'd have all your friends that were in bands trying to make it, you know, make it make, come on up. And Laws Rocket would never play there because, you know, we're big time. We play in Keystone, Berkeley. They got like, you can get 150 people in there. And Interesting. Like, yeah. So, um, you know, and they had Pyro, which was really a bunch of firecrackers shoved into a coffee can at the beginning of the stage. Uh, they had dry ice machines and, you know. Yeah. Well, then when they started out, they were not really, they were not thrash. At least the the first album to me doesn't sound thrash at all. So I kind of get that they were, they were on a different trip at the the beginning. They were, but they were like, kind of like, I would, I mean, they were like the kiss of the local rock scene. They were like, I mean, you look back, you're a Metallica fan. You look back at those old flyers. Metallica opened for Laws Rocket. I mean, that's yeah. the kind of local power that Laws Rocket had. National Act comes in. Yeah, forget about it. Laws Rocket would open, but they would be the picked band because they had somewhat of a following and they had yeah. a stage presence. And uh, But yeah, it was like, this was at a time where people weren't really thinking thrash. I mean, yeah. it was like metal, more generic kind of closer to your iron maidens and judas priests where those aren't thrash but it was a harder rock and that's where i think and production value obviously was coming into play Mm -hmm. that was laws rocket and compares to like when metallica hit the scene and made it up there i mean 
their production value was almost zero. Yeah. But they didn't need it because they had the X factor. Some about them were like, nah, this is great. You know, they don't need the bells and whistles. Laws Rocket, you guys need kind of need the bells and whistles. And even so, even with the bells and whistles, it, it was just a show, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. Exodus would open for them. And so they started building a little bit more of a following and more people. And they really kind of came into their own. They were kind of latecomers, late, late, not late comers. They just kind of didn't get a following until after the Laws Rockets and some of these other bands. Yeah. Uh, but then they really started coming into their own. That's why Exodus will always be like the Bay Area. That there are Raiders. Yeah, they would have been that Bonded by Blood would have come out at the, around the same time as Kill 'Em All, hadn't it not been for just the the foibles of of the music industry and them getting jammed up on a album cover design and all this stuff. So anyway. Uh, so I started working for Laws Rocket. They asked me, say, hey, have you ever done uh, stage set stuff? And I was like, no, I've just done these jackets, but I'm willing to try. Yeah. Oh, you can do that. You can do this. So they would have me come over to the manager's house and I'd paint these backdrops or I'd paint like little skeletons on on their stage sets and stuff like that. And, you know, that was that was interesting but not really like um, it didn't really, it gave me an idea about being more of a band artist as opposed to just some guy that draws on the backs of the jackets. Yeah. And he would have me do flyers and, and from going to those shows and being introduced around and building what one would call, you know, kind of a hand to mouth resume you know, I kind of did the same thing with the, you know, word of mouth with my jackets. It became, oh, you the guy that did those skeletons on the Laws Rocket stage. It's like, yeah. Oh, well, then we're I'm starting this band. It's called the Ruffians. Do you think you could do us a logo? Do you think you could do us flyer? You know, and then Exodus and some of the guys like uh, uh, they introduced me to this guy, uh, Alexis Olson, and he managed uh, Legacy. Mm-hmm. And he he called me up and he goes, I know you're friends with uh, Alex at, at, at high school. Um, would you do some flyers for us? So I was like, yeah. And then they, then I, they started asking me to do backdrops. And I, you know, and I was just a kid at my at living at my folks house. I was like in. I think at the time I was a, a sophomore in in high school, I was about 15, maybe 16. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my, they, they, I would get these black bed sheets at, uh, poppy fabrics for like five bucks. They're not huge, but on the stage at Ruthie's, that's big enough. You just yeah. turn it on its side or whatnot. So I paint these, these banners or backdrops for the bands and the legacy was one they wanted a silver pentagram and then the skull and and their logo and but they wanted the pentagram to be silver so when the light hit it it would like kind of shimmer and 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 give it but that stuff went right through the right through the fabric and they came to pick up the backdrop and on my mom's living room floor (laughs) all that ink just went right into the floorboards and they were like, damn, you're going to be in trouble. So they, you know, folded it up and they 
him and Eric scooted out of there as fast as they could. And I'm like, damn, I dropped down. I'm like scrubbing on my hands and knees trying to get this, you know, seven foot, six foot pentagram out of my mom's heart. <laughs> she comes in. She's like, what goes on when I'm not here? And I'm like, oh, mom, no, no, don't worry. Uh, you know, it's, it was a backdrop. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't see any backdrop. So anyway, it, it became kind of fun and funny. And I was. I mean, I was a kid, so I didn't, Yeah, I, I, I still don't really know what I'm doing, but you kind of keep faking it until you make it. Sure. And, uh, and just word of mouth came in. Cause nobody, nobody cared that I screwed up my mom's floors. They just saw this banner at, at this, at the, Oh, who did that? Oh, this guy, you know? And so the word of mouth, uh, kind of got around and then Metallica came up and, uh, I got a ch- couple chances to see those guys. And every time I would, you know, kind of approach them because they were, I mean, they were really approachable, but they were already kind of getting that kind of star status locally. Yeah. So everyone's kind of vying for their attention, especially the other bands, because they want to be taken on tour. And here I'm just a kid trying to do a flyer, you know, so I go up to Headfield and I go, Hey, I saw your 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 back your backdrop at the Kabuki, and it looked really cool. And hey, do you think I could do one for you? Uh, and he goes, "Well, we got that one, and, and we like it pretty much. So you know, thank you, but no thank you." Oh, okay, you know. And I, yeah, I don't know shit, so I'm just like, okay, okay, yeah. never mind. And I'm like wandering off, and and my friends would go, "Come on, man, you got to keep asking them, got to keep bugging them. You know, you never know." And this went on for a couple of years and, it, you know, as it kind of went on, I was doing my own thing and kind of, you know, trying to figure my way around, you know, the little stuff I would do. I did some stuff for Bailoff when he got uh, left Exodus or got kicked out, depending on how you look at it or who you ask or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, so I, I kind of held on to it for a little longer and, you know, but still always kind of keep it into my. I keep wanting. I had no I had no uh, no mentor, no. Well, I had a few mentors, but no real game plan. It's like all I could think of was I really like design. I wanted to learn how to design T-shirts and I had done a couple logos that wound up on shirts, but they were like you know, or I drew, drew some stuff for a band and they, they put it on a shirt, but I had no real control over the concept. And, you know, I would write on the, at the back of, uh, Oh, guitar player magazine or musician, they'd have an interview with the uh, music merchandiser. And I was like, wow, there's a job, yeah. you know, that that's a career. I want to do that. And I'm about 17, maybe get moving on to 18. But most of those guys, I don't know. All I do is sell T-shirts, you know, if they even wrote you back. And I would write these letters. I mean, yeah. I used to write to the ACDC fan club. I'm sure they were laughing at them all and just tacking them up and never heard back from them. But like this goofy kid wants to know, you know, does Angus like wear that little outfit all the time? <laughs> I think I even asked a long time ago, I was like, he doesn't really have a tail or something stupid. I don't know what I was trying to think about, but anyway. 
So I would write these letters. I would type them out on my mom's typewriter and send them off. And every once in a while, one of the merchandising guys would get back to me, but they did, you know, we get the art from somebody and I don't even have a part of that. All I do is sell t-shirts, kid. And I'm like, all right. So pretty much had no guiding light on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but I kind of had it in my head that I wanted to design shirts. Um, and then I fell into Tower Records. A friend of mine was working at Tower Records making these billboards, you know, these in-store billboards. And uh, uh, so I pester him because he said, oh, you it, ta- it takes a lot of talent to cut this phone board and you, we ain't cut everything. And I was like, well, I, I want to try it. I want to learn. And uh, he kind of pissed, pissed me. You know, it was kind of pushing me away. But. I would keep coming back and asking questions. And finally, one day he was like, yeah, I'll I'll give you a shot. So I tried out, got the gig. And next thing I know, I'm working at Tower Records. I was, I think, uh, 20 at the time. And, uh, and I was, so I was making these displays and I was learning how to, you know, kind of the connection between doing art music was still there. Mm-hmm. But it was getting fostered, and I was starting to understand a little bit more about layout and all that junk. And then, long way around the point, I <laughs> come back around. It, it, it's uh, eighty, about eighty-eight, and Metallica. Uh, well, at first they did the Cliff Em All, yeah, uh, video, and I was working at the video store, so I made a, a display of that. Uh, but then, uh, and justice for all came out and they had, a. they were going to be playing at the cow palace in December of that, that first, first run of the first tour and, uh, of that tour. And, uh, there was a contest and it's like make a billboard in the front of window of, of tower records, a Metallica design and win a a pair of tickets to the show. So I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. Cause I'm sure everybody was just going to put posters up or cut the logo out or whatever. So I was trying to think of something unique. And, uh, at the time, somebody had written an article about them saying that Metallica was like, it's like, it's not thrash. It's not metal. It's like crunch metal. Cause they had this chunk, 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 chunk guitar. Yeah, yeah. So they called it crunch metal. And I'm like, Oh, they're like the captains of crunch. And then I'm like, I'm like, okay, the captains of crunch, captain crunch. So I did a captain crunch box and Puss had it drawn their faces on this, like this hammer, the hammer of justice. Yeah. And it was in the album packaging. So I kind of redrew it and I blew it up and then I redrew it out again uh onto foam board and i cut it out and i put little pirate hats on them and i made this like essentially it was about a six and a half foot tall cereal box out of this foam core stuff painted it all up put the date on it and shoved it in the front window this big old cereal box and i got outside and i took a photo of it sent it off to somebody at electra and I guess the the joke was missed or whatever, but I was like, no, I I don't think I won or got a ticket or anything, but I had already, 
I was a fan, so I'm, I'm yeah. going to go see the show. You know, I tried, but I guess that was a really stupid left to center thing to do. So I don't hear nothing about it. I'm like, all right, whatever. And I go to the show and I got a photo of it in my pocket just in case I get to meet them for whatever reason. Maybe they'll sign it. Think it's stupid. Beat me up. I don't know. And <laughs> yeah. I got it in my pocket. And I had grown up with a lot of these guys in the Bay Area, and some of them were actually in a band called Spastic Children, mm. who played every once in a while with Kirk, or, and Cliff was in the band for a while, and so was Hetfield. Uh, but I had gotten to know some of the other guys just by hanging around at Ruthie's Inn. Yeah. Some of them I was terrified of, like Fred Cotton. He would just torture kids. Uh, but we kind of got along because I was like, well, I'm not – gonna fall for any of his pranks or whatnot but anyway we and i got introduced from other people so he was like all right you're cool whatever yeah uh, and he and he turned out to be one of the sweetest guys you ever want to meet so anyway i i was at the show and show was great i was in the pit i came all came out of there just soaking wet and in my pocket i still had that picture and I'm like, I, I'll go around to where the backstage area is and see if I can, you know, if, see if anybody I know that's always talked them up or whatever could get me in. Nobody. There's nobody there. Yeah. Just a guy sitting in a chair going, you know, you can't come back here, kid. And I'm like, all right, all right. So I'm just hanging out and I wait for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then I'm like, man, this is this ain't working out. So I turn around and all of a sudden I hear DeVito and I turn around and it's Cotton, Fred Cotton from Spastic. And he's like, DeVito, what are you doing here? I go, oh, I was trying to get back there. And he goes, what you want to do back there? I go, I, I want to see if they think this is funny. And I gave him the picture and he's looking at it. And he's like, oh, they'll fucking love this. And he goes, wait right here. And he, and he go back inside. And like 10 minutes go by and I'm like, Man, he he's drunk. He probably threw it away or said, nah, that's stupid, and you know, tossed it or whatever. And so again, I turn around and I start walking out, and I'm almost out like the front door, and I hear DeVito like in, in the hallway. And I come running back and he's all get in here. And he grabs me by a collar, pulls me in there. He goes, Man, they fucking love this thing. And I go, You're kidding me. And and Next thing I know, you know, it's like a blur. Then he drags me over to Hetfield and he dragged me over to Jason and then to Kirk. And they're signing it and laughing there. And, you know, Lars is like grilling me. He goes, what is this? What is this? And I go, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big old cereal box in the window of Tower Records. He goes, you mean to tell me that this, what Tower Records, which one? And I'm all in Berkeley. And he goes. You mean to tell me that this is a real thing and this is in a window somewhere? And I go, yeah. And he goes, who, who made it? What is it? And he, I go, I made it. It was supposed to be an ad for your show. And he goes, how did you come up with this? And I go, fuck, I don't know, man. I, just, <laughs> it, it, I thought it was funny, you know? And I didn't know if he was grilling me because he's like going to sue me. Or... Yeah. <laughs> well, at, the, at that point, there, at that point, I don't think he, he signed had... it. He didn't have that reputation huh? at that point, I don't think. No, not quite yet. But the way he was grilling me, I mean, it yeah. planted a seed. I was like, okay, be careful what you say now. And I'm like, trying to, I'm like, no, it's, he goes, can I have it? 
I said, yeah, you can you come and come and grab it, man. I don't care. It's I mean, the show's over. It's going down. I'm not yeah. taking that shit home. And he's like, OK. And he's like, man, that's awesome. You know, everybody, they, they, they were just very kind, very, you know, uh, enthusiastic. I mean, it really yeah. came down to it. It's like, I've been bugging you guys for years trying to do a flyer for you. And now you think that that's cool. And I was just like, I was kind of, goo- it was a goof. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I was just having fun. But just like most of my career, it was like, you know, okay, I'm going to go this direction. What? What? That's the right direction? You got to be kidding me. <laughs> I, I'm like, Okay, they were drunk. Now, you know, that couple of weeks go by and nothing. Mm-hmm. Not thinking, well, no one's going to be flying back off a tour that they just started just to get this. But Lars came to my work and he he came upstairs and he's like, "Where is this thing?" And I'm all it's right there in the corner. And uh and I'm my head top of my head's kind of blown and off and I'm like, "Holy cow." Yeah. You know, he actually came in to get this thing. And uh, he goes, where? And I go, it's that big thing in the corner. And he's all, oh, shit, it is big. And I go, <laughs> what you, I told you it was, a, it was a billboard. I go, what do you drive? And he goes, I just bought a brand new Porsche. I go, ain't no way that that's going to fit in your Porsche. So he was just like, I mean, it was like, he was like, it was all excitement. Then it was like, oh. And he's shaking his head. And I go, hey, I can make you a small one. You can just put it in your backseat of your car. It'll take me a couple days. He goes, you do that for me? I said, I will do that. And I said, you like that. That makes me happy. I, I'll i make a little small one. That's, that's what I do. It's, I'll, I'll just make one. So he, he was like, all right, maybe I'll, I'll come back in a week, man. And I'm like, okay. And, and at this point, I'm thinking maybe he really will come back. So I make this little small one. It's just a little, you know, maybe about a foot and a half tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, I laid it out on like, because when I had originally done it, I had drawn it up. I kind of said, I kind of looked at the design that Pusshead drew and I, you know, kind of copied the faces exactly kind of, but with bigger dots because it was going to be blown up. Yeah. And I couldn't get that fine because it was only about that big on the back of the album cover or mm-hmm. in the inside sleeve. So I had drawn it out as a layout to blow it up onto the, on this projector to cut it out big uh, and proportionate. So when he came to pick it up, I gave him the little one and I gave him the layout that I'd used to blow up. And, uh, and I said, I'm really glad you like that. And he goes, no, it's cool as hell. And uh, he said, hey, when we come back around, I'll get you backstage and we'll we'll hang out. And I'm like, oh, that sounds great. You know, mm-hmm. thinking he's he going to forget all about this or whatever it is. But there it is. And then uh, about a, a month or so later. Watching uh, the ground. And Jason. They did one that the you know the scary video one that yeah. you got you were like uh, I don't think. and it was it was kind of creepy it's pretty intense <laughs> uh, 
It is intense. It is intense. <laughs> uh, they were doing a, they, they got nominated uh, for a Grammy on that one. First one they played and Jason like comes onto the screen and he's wearing a shirt of that design. And that, I mean, if my head hadn't exploded before, it definitely exploded then. And yeah, I just not like millions reading. of people saw it at that point. At that, yeah. And I'm like, maybe they saw it, but I mean, it was like, what the, f- oh, oh my God. I, I couldn't believe it that there was actually, they printed a shirt of it. Yeah. So anyway, I'm t- you know, calling my friends up, dude, I did a, I did a shirt for Metallica. Yeah, right. Whatever. And they're hanging up. And I'm like, no, no, go look on it. Like, yeah, whatever. You know, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna believe that. And then like, I think they were in LA for that. And then they came up like two or three days later, he come back to my work, tosses me a bunch of uh, crew shirts, uh, the captain's of current shirts. Mm-hmm. And he goes, dude, that was killer, man. Thanks so much. And I'm like, no problem. And I was like, holy cow. He goes, what do you want for the design? And I'm like, I I don't know. (laughs) You know, it's a crew shirt, right? And he goes, yeah, we're not selling or nothing. So I was like, I don't know. Give me a tour jacket or something. Two tickets to Aerosmith. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, that was another thing that just became a joke between me and him. Anyway, he was like, "Um, yeah, I'll get you a tour jacket. And got my size or whatever. And a couple weeks later, you know, he rolls up and he goes, Hey, we're playing at the uh, Shoreline Amphitheater or Sacramento Cal Expo or something. And he goes, You want to go? And I'm like, Yeah, I'll go. That sounds killer. Um, so he gave me the jacket and, uh, and I'm like, Going to the Cal, uh, oh, the night of the Cal Expo, pouring rain. And uh, he called and he, no, wait. So he said, hey, do you want to go to the Cal Expo and see us? And I said, yeah. And he said, I'll put you on the list. And he goes, how many, how many guests do you need? And I'm all, yes. What do you mean guests? And he was just like, well, if you, you know, you got some friends who want to go. And I go, well, I think all my friends got tickets. And he's like, well, there's got to be somebody else you want to invite or something. And what if they don't have a ticket? I'm like, okay, give me me plus another person. And he's, he starts to get frustrated because he's like, dude, I'll give you 10 tickets. I'll give you 50 tickets if you want. And I'm like, I, I don't need 50 tickets. I'm, <laughs> I, I don't want. And he was, he got more and more pissed at me. Cause I was like, no, no, I just, just need the one. I just need one ticket, you know? And he's it, anyway. So it's pouring rain the day of the show. I'm calling all my friends going, dude, I got like Lars said, I'm going to get a bunch of tickets. At the, and they're like, Lars said when? And he, <laughs> I'm like, about a week ago. And he goes, it's pouring rain. If I drive all the way out to Sacramento with you, which is about, you know, an hour, hour outside of the Bay Area. And we get out there and ain't no tickets. I'm going to kick your ass. And I'm like, uh. Well, he said there would be in there. And so anyway, I, I found one person that was willing to, to take the risk. Mm-hmm. So we drove out there and sure enough, man, I, I go up to the, the thing. It's pouring rain. I'm on Mark DeVito and they, the, the lady's eyes go, Oh my God. And she just hands this like, 
I mean, it's like a billfold wallet, an envelope, and it barely goes underneath the little thing. And there's like, there's like 10, 15 tickets, backstage passes, after show. I mean, it's shoved to the hilt. Like Lars was trying to drive a point home. Like, yeah, yeah. no, I, 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 I say I'm going to give you something. Anyway, I thought it was funny. I wound up just like handing out the tickets to people in line. Cause yeah. I was like, I knew this was going to happen that I'm not going to have anybody who wants to go. Uh, but that kind of started that, that kind of, you know, a weird relationship with that band, which was Lars would call me up, ask me to design some. And I bring it to the show. So I started learning how to like make presentation boards, you know, and, you know, this is my concept and this is the idea, except I would draw it all out. And then uh, they'd have me colorize it or whatever. And I started learning from sending stuff to the merchandise companies slowly, but surely how to put together a professional t-shirt logo design. And so, so what, what was the first official thing that you did for them after after them asking you to do it do you, do you remember what it was uh, it was the first well i mean they had made laminates of that of that design the captain's of crunch sure, as well yeah, yeah, yeah. so but I, again that wasn't asked of me they just kind of commandeered it which yeah. is fine yeah and i'm glad i didn't raise a fuss because that gets me more recognition for any other thing that really that uh and it was the silliest thing i did uh but uh the first i think for the uh black album Mm -hmm. when the black album came out um well lars had always said hey keep bringing stuff bringing stuff and I had done, I think it was the second design. It was like for the, the black album had just come out and they wanted to do a crew shirt. And he goes, come up with something that's as good as Captain's of Crunch. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea how I'm going to do that. Yeah, what cereal am I going to do this time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, and I think he was even said no more, no, no like breakfast foods or something. But it was like. <laughs> Uh, I did trails, uh, uh, trails we have crept, uh, okay. for, and so I, uh, I did like a comic book cover and kind of drew caricatures of them, but I wasn't very good at drawing faces. So like James is looking away, uh, uh, Jason's got a mask on, Lars has got a, a, a tennis racket in front of his face. I, Cause I told him I don't do caricatures. So yeah. anyway. I had to learn how to do something of like that. Uh, so that was the second one. Um, and I would get, you know, hey, bring it, bring some stuff to the show. We're playing at the Open Coliseum. And I would draw on these big illustration boards. They were like, you know, 18 inches by 24 inches, but like hard cardboard. So bring some stuff to the show was like, I'm hauling these big, boards under my arm and yeah. wanting to go into the crowd at the same time because yeah. i want i'm a fan i want to see so it's like you know i'm i'm wrestling them into the into the crowd and then i realize oh these are going to get destroyed so i'd go back and there'd be a laminate or something waiting for me but you know at the will call and i would 
wait and go back and sit with Lars and he'd look at stuff and he picked that one after you know a couple of times I had done some stuff uh, and uh, even just before that actually when they played in Petaluma I had done uh, a, I did the foam core I took Pusshead's uh, The One Baby and I had made it out of foam core Okay, did a big puzzle cut thing um, uh, and Kirk wanted it, and I traded him tickets to the Petaluma shows uh, for it. So he gave me both nights, you know, tickets to see uh, the 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 shows in Petaluma, which was just before they did the uh, Madison Square Garden listening party, and then the Black album came out. Gotcha. But he didn't ask me to do that. I just did yeah. it. And, yeah. but I would bring designs and Lars would look at them and sign them or, or go, yeah, that's cool, but we don't need it or whatever. Um, and then he, he, would call, he called me about the trails. Uh, he goes, Hey, why don't you bring some more designs to the, that show? So I, I drew up some stuff and, and trails we have crept. And then at the end of the blackout, at the end of the tour, I did uh, end of the Rome time to go home. And that was kind of like, you know, they, they were whatever Lars was into, like that wasn't music. That was what he was going to do when he got off tour. So I did these like magazines, like Hetfield and stream. I knew he was like hunting. So I did yeah. Hetfield and stream and then Lars, like the undersea world of Lars Cousteau or whatever it was. And, uh Kirk reading comic books and Jason playing basketball or something or he got his hair cut and everybody flipped out so uh, <laughs> so I did these you know I started doing kind of getting to be known as the guy that would do the goofy crew shirts for yeah. them and it, it and it worked and Lars was I mean very encouraging very friendly and since then I had done like stuff I did the uh stuff when they played Donington for the first time that, or not the first time, the second time, but they were headlining Donington. I did like a thin Lizzy shirt. Cause I knew, uh, Hetfield loved thin Lizzy. Yeah. So I did like a thin Lizzy jailbreak. I did studio break and drew the scary guy as the, you know, the guy on the, on, on the, you know, Jim Fitzpatrick album cover for yeah. uh, thin Lizzy jailbreak. Uh, and it just kind of, not, I wouldn't say snowballed. It just kind of slow rolled. Everything was like, oh, DeVito will do this for us. And then, um, so, uh, just so not, not to interrupt you, but like while all, of, while all of this slow growth in the Metallica camp is going on, are you also doing stuff for other smaller bands or what is, what is happening outside of this at that point? Yeah. I mean, um, for the most part, you know, I'd still work for, uh, like Exodus, I would do stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly, like I redid their logo a couple of times. I did some merch designs for them early on, like Shovel Headed Kill Machine era. Um, I did uh, the uh, uh, whatever Double Live Dynamo or whatever. It was uh, an, an Exodus DVD, and where okay. it had old pictures of Paul. They asked me to do Paul's memorial shirt, the original one with the hammer and sickle. Okay. Um, so I would work for them from time to time. And also like the ruffians, they were still, 
kind of off and on doing stuff. And I would, um, and I got to meet more people as I was, I, I, I took jobs at, um, music merch companies after tower and some of these other things, I actually fell into to working for music merchandise companies. Um, and I was kind of in recovery because I was, I had a, uh, I had a pretty severe drug problem early on mm-hmm. and actually Metallica was kind of the, the tail end of it. So I was really focusing on like, okay, I need a career path. And I, and uh, so I applied to a couple merch companies. I fell in with this one punk rock merch company called center block. So I started designing uh, shirts for and learning pre-production color separations for green day. Uh, The high on fire guys came in one time and I did a shirt for them. So I started branching out Mm -hmm. as far as different bands and different playing with different designs and design genre and for designing for different genres and liked it all and that introduced me to other bands so smaller bands i wouldn't say like green day maybe was a smaller band at the time i mean smaller Mm -hmm. than metallica is pretty easy to do (laughs) almost everybody was smaller at the time um and i'm i'm like i'm still that that 13, 14 year old kid that walked across the, the courtyard where it's, I don't say no to work. Yeah. Somebody wants my stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll do it. Yeah. I want to do that. Uh, and like to this day, like I just did stuff for Bay area international. It's oh, okay. This. Yeah. So I did their logos. Um, I, Gary Holt, all, every once in a while he loves doing these satanic kitten designs for his guitar picks so Mm -hmm. i do satanic kitten designs and i send them off to him i'm helping him with some other graphics i mean uh, that that 1980s little bubble of friends and acquaintances because some of these people are i i would consider more acquaintances or people that were in the room when I was in the room. So we were aware of each other. We never really like wouldn't go hang out or go to a football game together or anything. Some of them I did, but some of them, you know, a lot of them I didn't. Uh, but that that's still there. The Bay area is still like, I mean, Howard will mention my name to somebody that was in the Bay area, like, uh, like Demo, Phil Demo. Mm-hmm. Oh, that dude, he, DeVito, he did a shirt design for Sean for us for charity when Sean got sick. Uh, you know, so, I mean, the Bay Area is still very interconnected with the with the friends and uh, and the band. So yeah. Boneless Ones, they're a local punk band. But uh, so they had me design some stuff for them. Which, but wait, Boneless uh, Ones has has Home Dude from Forbidden in it, right? Isn't he in that band? Yeah, um, Craig uh, Cicero. Craig, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Chris Contos, who I've known since, you know, we were like 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Chris was a stage diver from way back, and he used to hang with a buddy of mine, Toby Rage. Toby was like the king of stage diving, him and Andy Anderson, and all these guys, you know. So I grew up with these guys. Sure. and somebody all somebody's got to say is oh you need this oh devito 
he's 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 up in Portland now, but he still draws. He'll he'll do whatever you want. You don't you don't yeah. care. You know. And I, uh, so people get a hold of me, and I get a hold of them, and 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 it it's it's all very friendly, and it, it's funny to you know before I used to I used to worry about having to charge money. Cause I always felt like, Oh man, I'm working for laws rocket. Now I make, you know, it's like, I don't want to die. You know, give me 20 bucks or whatever. I would paint these fucking 12 foot long banners for bands and like charge them $40. And yeah. then they'd lose it. And I'd have to pay and paint another <laughs> one. And it was like, mother, that was more of a pain in the ass. It was, it was harder to ask for money. Yeah. Um, because back then too, people were like, "Man, you know, Metallica don't pay that kind of money," and you know, or somebody, you know, they somebody would, and I didn't know what to charge, so I was just, I still don't, you know. These guys are like, "Well, how much is this going to cost me?" You know, because now they know I work for Motorhead, and I'm like, "Dude, I do the same thing I did with Motorhead." They were like, "What do you want for this?" And it's like an album cover for Motorhead, dude. I should be paying you. You know what I mean? It's like I should be paying you. This is like a dream job. So that so, so that's a, that's an that would be an interesting thing as well. Like how did how did motor the Motorhead thing come about? Well, again, I mean, being a fan is as mm-hmm. core as you can be. As, yeah. as, a, as essentially as a, I mean, it, there's you're a fan of a band. You have a you have a connection with yeah. that band. And that connection is is not like paid for, it's not endorsed, it's not coerced, it's nothing. There's nothing uh, artificial. Yeah, it, it's it's a real thing, and the connection that band is somebody that says they're a fan says, "Oh, they do that song, shout at the devil," and you're like, "You dumb motherfucker." <laughs> That's that's Motley Crue. What the <laughs> fuck? You are not a fan. You know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of a dumb example, but that's yeah. who I am. But yeah. So, like, I got a job working at a music merch company, another one, and they had a roster that was like heavy metal fans, like cream dream. Yeah. It was like they had Iron Maiden. They had uh, Slayer. They had all these bands. And Motorhead. Mm. And I'm like, I'm going to be working for a company that does stuff for Motorhead. Well, that's awesome. You know, so yeah. I, anyway, I'm all in. I, I get the gig and they got me doing stuff for this, that and the other thing. And I'm like, hey, I really want to do some stuff for Motorhead. And they're well, they kind of got somebody and they don't really do very much merchandise in retail. And yeah. we're kind of doing the retail stuff. There's some people we can introduce you that do their tour stuff and you could submit stuff, but retail, we do them and we do all the retail for all the different bands, but motorhead don't really bring in cause they're bootlegged all the time. So yeah. there's no, it's, it's, it's too hard. And I'm like, well, that's bullshit. You know, it's like, I sure I, the, the motorhead shirts I own probably 90% of them are bootlegs, but not because, I wouldn't want to put money into Lem's pocket, but that's where I find, I find a shirt and I'm like, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Um, or unless I'm at a show and I would buy the shirts. Um, so, well, I said, well, 
what if I just came up with some designs and, you know, can we run them by some some people and see if they'll, you know, they think they're cool enough that they might try them out. And my boss was like, you can do whatever you want. Just you can't do it on company time. And I'm like, well, that's okay. I'm a fan. I got all the records at home. And he goes, I'll give you some assets and you can play around with some stuff. But if you got ideas, you know, get them, get them down and, and, and put them in. So on the weekends, I would just like, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I, I got a give me some motorhead shirt. And I thought that was the coolest shirt in the world. So I mm. redid that one. And then uh, a couple other designs I came up with and kind of playing off the albums and stuff like that. So I put together a little presentation thing and I gave it to my boss and he sent it out to a couple places like uh, Urban Outfitters in Europe and uh, another couple uh places and um, one of them bit said all right we'll try that we'll put it in our store and this was about maybe six six or seven months before uh uh the lemmy movie was going to come out i think okay. or they just started filming it and they were estimating about six to eight, six months to a year and so then this that was so, somewhere around 2010 or something like that i think that that was yeah, it was 2009 i think okay. when i started like really kind of falling into that uh, so urban outfitters tried a couple designs and they sold really well and mm -hmm. so then it kind of took a little bit of a life of its own and some of the other retailers saw the numbers so they said oh we want to try a motorhead shirt and not like it was like you know the the arab spring or anything like that but some something was percolating and then some ideas were being percolated around about, you know, mo this Motorhead, the Lemmy movie and things like mm -hmm. that. And there was this kind of reemergence of, of awareness of Motorhead at a very pivotal time for their career. I mean, mm -hmm. Lemmy was, uh, and Motorhead were, had kind of, I wouldn't say stagnated, but they hadn't really had that, that power surge of, of press that mm. they that they got when the Lemmy movie came out. It really, I mean, that was like a big defining moment for them. And I just happened to come in and 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 try to push some motorhead shirts, maybe a little bit before the 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 storm that was coming. So I lucked out. Yeah. And and word got back to the band somehow that well, through management that they thought there was an error in their retail they saw their retail numbers were coming up. Like they didn't usually get checks like that. Yeah. So my boss who was very gracious said, Oh, well, we got this fan who works, works in the office and he was pushing motorhead stuff and, uh, got a couple through the hopper and, uh, things are starting to move. And, and so, uh, the, one of the management team called me up and said, Hey, you want to do some other shirt designs for us? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. So started doing some tour stuff and things were working really well. And the design, uh, Lemmy would have an idea and he would sketch it out and send it to, to management. Management would forward it to me and I'd redraw it and kind of realize it for, but it was Lemmy's vision sketch and I would come and, he, and it worked. And Lemmy liked working that way. 
And I just happened to like be able to not add too much of my flavor into his designs. Yeah. And it, 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 it was a good pairing and management saw this as a, this is a very easy path to follow. It's a good formula. DeVito seems to work well with Lemmy. And even yeah. just saying that and hearing management say that, I mean, it's, it's a brain fuck. I mean, it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on a good path with Lemmy. I can die I mean, now. Just, Thank just you. the, just the honor of being the person that gets to bring his vision to life. Like that's just, that's an amazing oh. thing. It, and it, and, it, and I can't even believe I'm doing it when I'm doing it, but mm -hmm. I take it seriously because it is Lemmy. And it's like, okay, yeah. don't get so excited. You fucking send in, you know, uh, you know, a, a child scribble drawing. It's like, yeah, no, bring it. So, you know, and I like it. I like a challenge and I like to, I, I like the fire in the gut, the, you know, the butterflies in the belly that, that, that keeps me on point. And that's how I did all my other stuff. I mean, I got probably really strong st stomach muscles by this time because I would say yes to some jobs that were like, dude, you, you're bit off a lot more than you can chew. Mm -hmm. um, but that that one was like, now nah, this is my time, so I'm going to do it. Anyway, it worked. And uh, so Stefan Shirazi, who was kind of Lem's main guy, called me up and said, hey, uh, Lemmy wants you to design an album cover for him. And I'm like, you know, it's nothing but digital static in there yeah. for the first five minutes. And I'm like, yeah, what? What? <laughs> and he's like, I need, uh, Lemmy would like you to try your hand at doing an album cover for him. And I'm like, okay, you shit me. Uh, and he, he calls me, I'm at a kid's birthday party with my like seven-year-old son who's jumping mm. around in a, in a bouncy house. And I'm standing there with all these other parents and they're like, don't pull on Timmy's hair and shit. And, <laughs> and this guy's saying, yeah, you're going to do a Motorhead album cover. And that, you know, the words fuck and you got to be fucking kidding me. I'm like, what? You know, I'm like, and there people are looking at me. I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry. So I, but. So I essentially took like the dream gig at a kid's birthday party to yeah. do this, this this once in a lifetime. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I he sent over some sketches and I start right in on it. And in, in about three or four days, I put together a couple different variations on this album cover and Lem loves it. He's tweaking it a little here and there, but mm. I got his sketch just like we did the shirts and I did it pretty much true to form, made it a little bit more elaborate, but not deviating from the, from the concept. And it just hit and I did motorizer and I did the lettering and all that. And he, I mean, it was very hands-on. It was very yeah. organic and it was very me, Stefan and Lemmy. And it it all just kind of came into place. Uh, and, and then that, that was kind of like, it was like Metallica on, on 10. It was like I would get invited to shows. And where at that point, my relationship with Metallica was 
I was farther and farther away from the people that I felt were my connection with the band, meaning Lars, really. Yeah, yeah. Lars and James, and uh, we would talk, we would convert, you know, I'd talk with Jason and I'd talk with Kirk, but the bigger they got, the less and less I got contact with them. Yeah. And I had less and I had more contact with management. Management would ask me to do stuff like I did some for Woodstock and I did something for the the Arctic. And I, I, it just things just kept coming, but it was never me talking on the phone with Lars or meeting him at the shows. It just, it just, I got so distant from it that I kind of fell out of, out of, out of love with the band, so to speak. And the music I still liked, but, you know, it was getting just my relationship, that fan level. Yeah. Got, I went over a line and I, I got pushed back over that line and it's harder to go back. That It's I, harder to go. Yeah. Putting myself it, in that position, I could totally see that. It, 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 it kind of, it kind of sours things a little bit once, once you've been over the line and now you're back kind of where you were before yeah. i mean still getting to do stuff but at the same time it's like well i thought we were going to be buddies come on man <laughs> yeah and then and, and that's foolish on my part and that's i mean to a degree you know it is a business yeah but that like i said before like we're talking about i mean you have a connection that's real with this band and it may be fostered that it it, it may be fostered in reality but the reality is it's a business yeah. So you're not Lars's best buddy because he called you because he wanted some designs. Yeah. Even though it felt like, man, this is I, I'm riding a high. But that's so, what that's what happens when you're when you're a huge fan. I've always said that the stuff that I do, my videos and me getting into this yeah. the arena of doing interviews, which is essentially what I want to do most of the yeah. time. But you're I've always it. but I've always said I'll know that I finally made it if I interview Lars. But I guarantee yeah. fucking you, because I'm such a huge fan, if I ever get the chance, my brain's going to go to, can we be friends now? <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'm such a big fan. Of course, that's what I want. I want to, you know, oh, yeah. I want to, I want to, you know, start being invited to his kids' birthday parties or whatever, you know, oh, but, yeah, yeah. but it's, so I totally understand that, but it's uh, to, kind of to, to pull us back a little bit because I, we're, yeah. we're on the Metallica thing still, the because because the reason why you know we started talking was because you you were kind enough to sell me these original Metallica kind fan enough. cams. You were kind enough to buy them. Thank Dude, you. Okay, well it, it's just the fact that these are and these are actually going to be incorporated into videos I make. Like I'm actually going to be making oh, videos cool. about each one of them. But right here, awesome. you know, you you had these these original you know you, you said completely unopened or whatever or on uh I, I i opened them to check the contents to make sure that when i originally got them i opened it but i mean they weren't sealed they were just you know the t yeah the, but yeah they're, they're complete so, there's nothing missing out of them and so the, uh, yeah the, the, the contents inside of them so you so you designed I, like the, i didn't wear the shirt around town sure, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the the question is like is so when it comes to your part in the designs what yeah. how, so i know that the cans all came with cd vhs shirt some kind of trinket or they all came with shirts. Yeah. 
Or some kind of the, some, there, it some was a kind combination of, trinket. of things. Sometimes it was a video, sometimes it was a video and a CD, sometimes it was uh I can't remember that uh, like a luggage tag and you like you're saying there was a trinket. Sure. So, so so what what level of involvement did you have in designing those things and, well, and, the, designed, and the can itself, the can also. Yeah, I mean, so essentially just to so at the end of the Black Album tour, me and a friend who was in Spastic Children as well Mm-hmm. Um, flew over to Belgium and it was the last two shows of the, this long black album tour, mm-hmm. three years long. And, uh, uh, Kirk invited me and Jumbo, my friend Jumbo, who was the singer, uh, at one time at Spastic Children. So we flew out there, go to the shows, hung out. I did a shirt for the end of the tour and, uh, but we had a meeting. I didn't know we were going to have a meeting, but we had a meeting. It was Jason, <laughs> Jason and Tony Smith, the, who was the essentially the day to day manager on the road at the time, mm-hmm. and myself. And they, I thought I was in trouble. Like I had, I don't know what, drawn Lars strangely or something i don't know what i but we had a meeting at this in this in the in the hotel bar and they said look we just came out with live shit binge and purge and i think it was live shit binge and purge which i have right behind me yeah (laughs) oh cool there you go yeah um but they announced the fan club somehow i can't remember if it was in that or or something but it was in 93 and they announced the official fan club so back to that that kj doughton book yeah kj was the original metal militia guy who ran their official first fan club real fan club but this was going to be the band's official fan club and uh jason and tony said the, the band asked that i design the fan club shirt so I was like, wow. Yeah. So this is kind of like another gig and it's not just crew shirts. So anyway, long story short, that was my introduction. I subsequently did every membership fan club shirt from that point forward till about, I think it was Y2K uh, year 2000. So I did, yeah. did like whatever it was. I can't even, it's like 89. No, it was like 90. I think 94 was the first one. Mm-hmm. And then I did one every year uh, till 2000, 2001. Uh, but anyway, that was, so Tony Smith and I started working very closely and, mm-hmm. uh, and the fan club was the, the genesis of those fan cans. There was an original fan can, as you know, as a fan, going to say fan 40,000 times and that's just how it's going to go but the the japanese put out the japanese record company for black album put out a paint can called, it was the metallica fan can i think they called it or the metallic can or whatever so anyway they came up with fan can somebody did and so they they wanted to do a fan can yeah so but their own and so they said, look, we got this company, they'll print on these painter cans and we'll fill it with stuff yeah, and sell it to the fans. So we'd like you to design some. So I did like the scary guy, like 
just throwing up into this can because they said we we're just going to throw all this crap in there yeah. so i just oh okay so metallica throws up in a can you're gonna buy it so it's just like this the scary guy throwing up into the can but there's a shirt and a video or whatever in the puke going into the can sure. so they had me do that and i was like what's the shirt gonna be and oh we're just gonna throw in a crew shirt and i think the first one was shit i can't even remember it was like the trails we have crapped or something they put it in there and i was mm. just like I, I was like okay so you have extras of those yeah we got we had extras and it's like you have extras of a crew shirt and then, anyway it did that was the beginning of me kind of going what's going on here you guys are reprinting this stuff repurposing it and now it's not a crew shirt it's a piece of merchandise yeah but anyway, i digress that was part of my starting to get paranoid sure um so that's how that came about is every year they wanted to come out with another fan can because it sold really well it 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 did really well i don't remember how many cans they did i think they did like i think it was like six i think they well i think they did six different ones and then i don't remember how many they sold of each i know they were in like the, the the fan club magazine they would do ads for them and stuff yeah yeah but exactly. did, so did you but i think they only did like six of them and did you did you have a part in designing I just did the four that i sent you because i i said hey you know i like a little money but send me one of i used to ask them it's like hey i did a crew shirt i'm not gonna get that much money can you send me a couple of the crew shirts so i would sure. amass these boxes of shirts and that's what i did with motorhead and all i i've got probably 800 shirts over the years that I've done for all these. And I don't have it nearly as many as I've done, which is kind of weird, but uh, my wife is, is grateful, but really upset that I have so many shirts. She wants them out of the house. <laughs> uh, but uh, why couldn't you have designed postage stamps? That would have been a whole <laughs> lot easier. And I'm like, I know, I know. Well, tell, um, tell her, tell her I was glad to take some some big ass cans off your hands. No, I, hey, I'm glad because <laughs> happy wife, happy life, man. There's a nice gap in my in my uh, in my uh, in my shelving uh, that I'm going to fill up with more CDs and vinyl that I have laying around on my floor. I see that you got a few pieces of vinyl a few yeah i'm a little i'm a little fanatical about about the vinyl collecting and uh i mean obviously the metallica one too i've become such a completist with metallica stuff now that the fact that that's dangerous yeah so but i was never around the time that the fan club started and these fan cans were coming out i had no money for any of this stuff i could barely afford to even go to shows you know so now that i'm actually older and i have the means to do it I'm just anything yeah. I can get my hands on. I'm like, I'm, I'm wanting to get it. And, um, and so, yeah, it's just, the cans are just another, another one, another piece of my collection and me. Cause I can, you know, I've, I've, my love of that band has only grown stronger over the years. Oh. And I'm one of, I'm one of those people that after going through, you know, going through the period that a lot of people didn't like load and reload and sane anger, yeah. those and, and Lulu and things like that, those are all things that made that band better to me because maybe I maybe i didn't like those things as much or certain little things here and there but for some reason it just grew into this thing where now it's even more of an obsession than it was when i was 13 awesome, which is insane but um so yeah it's so that's insane, though. it's great <laughs> it's it's like 
that 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 you want to. I feel cheated. Like I was talked out of being as much of a fan as I was. Mm-hmm. I still have conversations with Jason. Like we talk, yeah, quite frequently. I still help him with projects from time to time. Mm-hmm. But we we're we we have become friendly friends yeah. with each other, and uh, uh, we've had some conversations like where we're talking on a similar level. It's like, how did Metallica break up with us? You know, it's like, what are you talking? Oh shit. You're right, dude. It kind of feels like that. And I go, that's the weird part, man. You love it and you, and you miss it or you, or you kind of go, well, it was bad or this I didn't like. And it, you, you overanalyze it. You psychoanalyze it. And I said, yeah. dude, we got to have a Metallica therapy group. You know, that would be just <laughs> Metallica's and I, anonymous. You and I could be in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, but it, it it's so personal that it's like, it's hard yeah. not to, you know, when, when, when good relationships go bad. Yeah. But well, well, that, that actually I brings us, that, that brings us to a good sort of wrap up point with a, with one last yeah. thing, which is, uh, which is, I kind of wanted to bring us to now because I'm interested in knowing like what you're doing now art wise. I know I'm, if I, if I'm correct, you d- did designs for their, the Metallica 40th anniversary thing that they yes. did. Yeah. Um, so, did, so uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, well, I had, Again, kind of really quickly, you know, I I I kind of felt like I had fallen out of graces with them, and uh-huh. I, and really, I think I had. Where it's like I stopped pursuing things, and every once in a while, I would be asked to do stuff, mm-hmm. but it became less and less, and then it just became not not fun. I felt like I was so far removed from the band that I didn't have that same enthusiasm where I could feel like I could come up with something worth, worth, worthwhile for them as well as for me. Yeah. Um, and then I had kept working with Jason and, uh, I felt again, kind of that, like I fucking miss it. I miss mm-hmm. that that feeling of being a fan. Um, the hardwired, I kind of started feeling a little bit more like a fan again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was getting excited about it. And then also the the uh, the anniversary of the Black Album. So they they asked me to send in some stuff for the for the box set for Injustice for All. They also asked me to do the same thing for the for the Black Album. Uh, and I put a very tongue in cheek email together to the management just saying, Hey guys, yes, I'm still alive. I'm sorry. I haven't called recently. I know you've been worried, (laughs) but you know, I still would love any opportunity to do some work for you guys. And anyway, I'm around, uh, and I didn't hear back. And I said, okay, well, that, that, you know, I, I took my shot and then a couple days later and go by and, um, and I get an email from management and this one guy that I've been dealing with for years and years and years and, and, and he was working with Q prime, but 
uh, now I think he works directly with the band. He goes, DeVito, sorry, uh, been a little crazy trying to get some stuff together. Yeah, we'd love to see what 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 you got. So I put together a design and uh, they loved it. And they said, yeah, we're going to use this for our 40th anniversary. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's that's yeah. huge. So. Uh, I became a fan again. It was like <laughs> I got the I got the you know the butterflies in the belly. I was really you know yeah. it was like okay, Mark, yeah, we'll take something. And so I sat down and I was drawing it and trying to get it to get and and it it just kind of all kind of clicked again. And I got to draw again, which was nice because I hadn't really drawn anything intensely for a band of. For a little bit, for 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 a band of that caliber, sure. I hadn't done it for a while. I mean, a Motorhead was the last thing, and Lem passed away a while ago, a little while mm-hmm. ago. But yeah, um, so that that fire in the belly, that butterflies came back for that one, and uh, it, you know, it, it it felt good again. It felt kind of full circle for me, and I sure. went and saw the shows, and. Um, Got to see some familiar faces that I hadn't seen for a while. But again, I didn't get to go meet the band or anything like that. But my connection with Jason now, that's my full circle, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, I, I think eventually it would be great if I could have a couple minutes of Lars's time, whether it's to no, no, no uh, real definite, you know, kind of like, hey, wow, you know, that I had no idea that that you felt like that or or whatever sure. it is. Uh, but then again, I have no illusions. He he is, you know, they they are above where I I I feel like I could reach. So and that's okay. Yeah, sure. I've come to come to grips with it. And uh, and after working for Motorhead, it's you know I got no regrets, baby. I mean that. Yeah that's that that was a mountaintop kind of thing so yeah and it, it 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 brought me back around on a fuller level to really feel like what i wanted to feel with metallica which was i felt like i was part of something yeah. not an organization but part of a family mm-hmm. um small part but a, a part i mean i was the go-to guy for graphics for backdrop for credential tour credentials i did i worked with mickey d uh, i did his drum set and now he's with scorpions i just went and saw him i did a scorpions kit for him uh he's a sweetheart he's and and he's just the same kind of guy that he's always been very approachable very you know we talk about stuff we 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 have fun. We, we joke. We, and then that, that's what I, I wanted with Metallica and it just never kind of came, but I think I was too much of a fan almost yeah. in a way where I was a fan, like, Oh God, I, you know, I, I would get tongue tied around Lars and yeah. it would it would piss me off. I'd be like, why the fuck can't we just have a fucking conversation? But yeah, I, I wasn't mature enough, I guess. And I, I'm still probably that way with it. But Motorhead was different story. It just felt natural and and right at ease. So sure, uh, yeah. Everything's a stage in life, you know. You just yeah. one other stage in life. But uh, I think that's great that you're a fan still, because 
uh, to that level because yeah. that's what music's supposed to be. It's supposed to be an all-consuming like passion, and the yeah. passion is is I mean, you listen to it, you 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 go to the shows, you buy the shirts, you you get enjoyment from it. You wouldn't do it if you didn't get enjoyment from it. It's not yeah. to make money. You don't turn uh, around and sell it. It's like no. Yeah, that I get I get comments sometimes on stuff and like, why are you taking the shrink wrap off of that? I'm like, because I'm gonna you play it and I'm gonna touch it and I'm gonna open it. It's like that yeah. this, is, this is not leaving me. Like maybe when I pass away, if my daughter just wants to sell everything, I'm like, great, that's hers at that point. That's great. Yeah, yeah. But, I'm but gone. Now, I got my enjoyment now out of it. <laughs> yeah. But um, so so the, to wrap it up, so you are yeah. you are still doing art for some for some other bands as well at this point because you because yeah, you, uh, I mean uh a, a word of mouth and talking with friends and people that know people that are in bands or I get introduced to different band. Like I was just flew, flew back from California and I bumped into a, a high school friend of mine that I grew up with is Noah Landis from who was in this band neurosis, but we knew each other just from being in high school together. He was the first kid with a big green Mohawk uh, that showed up at school. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that people still ask me to do so. I did a design for this band Charger. Matt Freeman from uh, Rancid has this kind of okay. power trio, very Motorhead-ish. And yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, boneless ones. Like I said, I just did some stuff for them uh, for their album, and uh, uh, you know, Craig LeCicero, uh asked, and their manager asked me to do some stuff for uh, not dress the dead. Uh, for this Bay area and or thrash and all. Um, and then local bike clubs. I do stuff. I used to watch house for the chapter president of Oakland Hells angels and nice. other bike clubs asked me to do stuff for them. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I still keep in touch with people and it, no one's beating my door down, but every once in a sure. while going, you know, I, I Oh, Rick, you from uh, Exodus is in a new band called Die Humane, and oh, okay. he hit me up, and I've been doing shirt designs uh, for the, for him. Uh, and some of the merch companies will reach out every once in a while. Like I just submitted a bunch of designs for Venom Inc. And, and there's always something somewhere, somewhere, whether I have a personal connection with them or not. But word of mouth, I still do stuff. I'm I'm actually I'm going to be a school bus driver. I got my commercial driver's license, and I'm going to drive a school bus, and that's wow. what I make make ends meet. And in between sure. that, you know, I'll do a flyer for Jason Newstead here or there, or a Boneless One's 45 album cover or whatever it is. So well, that's, yeah. that's, that's great. Cause it's, you know, ju just like the bands from, you know, that time period from the Bay area, it's, it's great that all of you are still doing it in some capacity. Um, yeah. So it's because it's just one of those things where like, I, um, you know, not, I'm not as old as you, but I'm, you know, I'm in my mid forties now and I do run into a lot of people where the things that they were so passionate about, in their teens and twenties, they're now like, Oh yeah, that was in the past. And I'm like, well, that's kind of sad. And so like, you sad. know, so there, so I, I always appreciate those of us that are still like, sure. We've matured. We have families, we have jobs and responsibilities, but those yeah. passions, you know, were so 
sincere and and powerful that they've just carried on with us into old age. Yeah, and I, I love, I love seeing that stuff happen. So um, I do too. And yeah. And there's like uh, the murder in the front row documentary that came out. Yeah. I mean, that was our, uh, that was kind of like a yearbook for us. That's how a lot of our uh, people uh, that were in the movie uh, that were, uh, when we talk about it, it was like a yearbook and that's the nostalgia that it, I would say there's nothing wrong with nostalgia. If oh, you yeah. let it consume your life and you can't progress as a, as a person, like have a family and do these other things, mm -hmm. then you're not growing. But if you can keep it with you to it, uh, enrich what you, and it, you genuinely love it, then do what you love. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's the life, you know, no regrets. Yeah. You know, I, if I could grow hair again, I would grow <laughs> hair, but I, you know, it's, but it's, it's got a different purpose. And, yeah. you know, so life is, life is good. You know, that's and, a, yeah. Do what you love because yeah, life is too short too. So agreed. That, yeah. That's, and that's a, that's a good, that's a good way to end this. So I, so, uh, yeah. So thank you so much for your time and everything. Thank you. And, uh, and, and we'll, 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 we'll talk again. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll I might even have you back for something. I might come up with some reason to talk to you again. Um, anytime uh, if, if you really yeah. got to hunt for a reason or just want to shoot the shit, it's, <laughs> I I'm always there. I love talking about this stuff because yeah, it's, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, I, I love talking with fans of stuff because not like to show off or anything like that, but you you, sh you share an experience and everybody has a different experience. But when they're kind of shared, mm -hmm. it's it's interesting, you know, it, it, it reaffirms something in you that, you know, that music is is still making people uh, uh, excited. And uh, yeah. there's a magic to that. Yeah. So anyway, Agreed. it's all good. Not to get cool. too dippy dippy at the end, but there it I, is. I I, I feel the Cut same way. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. Thank you so much for for being hey, here, you. and um and uh, have a great rest of your day. We'll we'll talk again soon, sir. Sounds great. Take care. Buddy. All right. See you.